So here's me, just doing my thing. <clears throat> Last week, I get in my car, I do my usual, or I, I, I like to listen to podcasts on the way to work. So now I'm driving to work, or I'm about to drive to work, and I see the latest episode of this friendly, delicious podcast, and it's of course called Please Don't Sever My Penis. <laughs> And I'm thinking, thank you, Greg. <laughs> thanks, Greg. Let's not advertise that. Uh, let's not put that idea out into the universe any more than it needs to be. But Greg doesn't care about my penis, so he just... I'm going to sever your penis. Right. So he just threw it out there like it ain't no thing, because what does it matter to him? But since I moved to Minnesota, it doesn't matter. No one can find me. <clears throat> Where in Minnesota? Doesn't matter. Right, Danny Trejo? <laughs> Was it Minnesota? <laughs> Is that what we said originally? No, we live in we live Wisconsin. in uh, Michigan. Mich- Michigan, Sh- Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, now you know I'm lying. Anyway, <clears throat> so guys, on that note, you are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode two hundred six, side B. <laughs> And this is the Give Me Five podcast, a bi-weekly podcast reviewing the things you love today and the things you might have loved yesterday. My name is Revenant, and I'm joined by Gremlin. Uh, wow, okay, I'm small and green and keep me away from water. And Pinto. <coughs> okay. I know you were going, you were going with cars. I was. <laughs> I couldn't, this I was going to is... do like a car exploding, but I just couldn't do it. Was it was it Top Secret that did that with the Pinto? Uh, where it well, like slowly hit something then explodes. The Jeep pulled up and just like ding, yeah, no, well, hit the back end of the Pinto and it exploded. No, 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 no. Yeah. They do that in uh, um, Blues Brothers. That absolutely. Mm. It's also a Simpsons. It's also a Simpsons. Well, game, it might have been in Top. Se- I don't remember it in Top Secret. It's for sure in Blues Brothers. <clears throat> but. You know, I don't know. I've been drinking all so day. So this is a side B episode, and we are going to talk about the 1986 movie starring Charlie Sheen, a young Charlie Sheen, called The Wraith. And of course, we'll answer our Give Me Five question of the week. Uh, this is a review show. There's going to be spoilers. We're going to try to avoid major twists, which I guess there is one in this movie. Um... But they're going to be spoilers for often a crappy movie. But I, I don't think this movie was that crappy. I love. I'm, I'm a fan. But it did come. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. No, terrible. I, I've always been a fan of this movie. But it did come out like many decades ago. So if we do spoil things, I mean, it, it was 1986. I mean, okay, we just did an entire summer of 1987 movies. It was a long time ago. So if we're talking about something you haven't seen, read. Or listen to yet, even though this is going to be just the one thing. Um, use your own discretion. If you're like such a huge Charlie Sheen fan that you're going to be mad if we spoil this, then watch it first and then come back, please. 
What was like that decade, that year of Charlie Sheen, like 2007 or something? With the tiger blood or whatever? Yeah, it was fucking weird. <laughs> Adonis of DNA? This... Yeah, well, the evolution well, of this. This movie is the crack-free Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Except for the poofy hair thing. Whatever. But anyway, let's uh, let's do this. Let's uh, talk about The Wraith, because I have things to say. Oh, I, I guess, bet uh, you do. The Wraith. It was it... released. I can do this if you want, unless you Go want to it. It was released November 21st, 1986. It was directed by Mike Marvin. I've got some things to say about him, too. Uh, starring Charlie Sheen, Nick Cassavetes, Sherilyn Fenn, Randy Quaid, Matthew Barry, David Sherrill, Jamie Bosian, Clint Howard, Griffin O'Neill, and Chris Nash. Do you want to do the uh, synopsis there, Rob? Sure. In a small town in Arizona, a mysterious man-spirit... Is that like a, a man-child? A mysterious man-spirit descends from the sky and manifests in a sports car and targets a local violent road-racing gang of motorheads, headed by a ruthless bully who will do anything to get what he wants. Anything. Except anything. for take off his leather jacket. <laughs> At the river. Yeah. That's a whole thing. So... What do we all think? Let's initial thoughts. We don't have to, you know, if we like it or not. But you know, when we when this movie was chosen, or technically when Rob texted me a picture of this movie from Walmart, and I knew this movie was going to be chosen, or Best Buy, and I knew this movie was going to be chosen. What were your thoughts? I was like, hell yeah, okay. I I I haven't yeah. seen it in forever. I, I loved it when I was back in the day. I, I, I it's still fun. Same here. I I remembered it from when I was younger and. I saw it in Walmart. You were correct the first time, Greg. I saw it in Walmart, and I sent a picture. I'm like, this probably needs to happen at some point, especially now that it's available and I can buy it. And I did, in fact, buy it. And I'm not sorry I did, because all in all, it's not really a bad movie. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like The Crow. What year did The Crow come out? Was this pre-Crow? Oh, yeah. It was pre-Crow. Oh, sure, yeah, like a decade. Okay, uh, so pre-Crow. Um, four. What's that? 94. Crow 90, okay. Yeah, so pre-Crow. It had a bit of a happier ending. Um, it was it had an interesting car in it. Um, I don't know that I was like in love with the car or the style of the car, but it, it you know it looked cool. Um, interesting fact: there was only four of that car ever built, and only two of them were working. And one of those has since disappeared. Disappeared. Even more interesting note: don't go in my garage. <laughs> Excellent. At least that's that's what I read somewhere. So I think that is correct. I, I did try to look up the value, and it's because of that, it's worth quite a bit. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the car. And the weirdest thing was I tried to look up, like, the rarest cars, and this was never mentioned on any list that I came across, even though some of those cars had, like, 16 models that were out there. I'm like, really? The rarest car is actually a 1994 Saturn because all of them have since exploded. <laughs> I actually had one. Yeah, true. I actually drove across the... Death Valley in one in the summer. I was, uh, yeah. I was so worried about that. I would imagine, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. In a 1997 uh, turquoise Saturn. So my my thoughts were, um, 
I learned about this movie much later. I didn't know about this movie in the 80s. I think I learned more about this movie after I kind of got into the synthwave, like, 80s-esque mm-hmm. stuff. And looking back at it, it's one of those, like, I think one of the cool things about that era of movies are the old, like, uh, futuristic-styled movies and all that, is that it left a lot to the imagination because the, they couldn't just recreate everything in CGI and all that. So I think when you look back at some of these movies where it's just like some elements of futuristic looking stuff, even though it's not really futuristic, but you know, some elements of this stuff, mm-hmm. it's it's endearing. And it, you know, it's, it, it uh, tugs at the nostalgia strings more so than something that, you know, is 100% perfect from now. So that would be my initial thought on that. Omar? Uh, <clears throat> just initial thought. Um, I I loved it. I saw it when... I saw it back in the day as a kid. Not in the theater, but, like, you know, as soon as it came out on, I think, HBO, I may have rented it with friends. I don't remember exactly, but um, I always liked it. I always thought the car was, like, the coolest thing ever. Um, I think this movie is the reason that I know who Charlie Sheen is. Because he went on to be in other things, like he was in Platoon a year or two later, and things like that, which I had watched as well. Um, but I just always thought this was a cool movie. It had the music that I liked at the time, you know, um, you know, like heavier like rock stuff. Um, uh, see, eighty six, so I was ten that year. I turned ten, so I probably saw it in like eighty seven, eighty eight. So I was eleven, twelve years old. You know, you're becoming aware of. Girls in bikinis and rock music and awesome cars. Like, it was great. Like, I just love that. It was a... Was your first naughty dream about Cheryl and Finn? Uh, no, Charlie Sheen. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it yours the same? No? Randy Quaid. <laughs> I dig I, a man I, in I, uniform. Buddy, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Mine was sloth. <laughs> <laughs> And you wake you woke up with a pair of underpants full of Rocky Road. Oh mm-hmm. Jesus! <laughs> yep. And now I've ruined ice cream for myself. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Uh, well, didn't we got a lot of things to say about this. I am going to start off with Mike Marvin, and learn some things about Mike Marvin. And he uh, he directed this. He directed Hot, uh, I think Hot Dog and a couple other things and wrote and whatever he also directed i found this out by looking at his thing he directed a bunch of softcore porn like (laughs) things for like playboy and stuff uh maui heat arranged marriage and madame savant (laughs) yeah and And i know know... you actually went and watched all of those movies for quote-unquote research sake so how were they they were yeah they were they were quality quality softcore porn films (laughs) One of those three will be our movie for next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've already watched Maui Heat seven times. Uh, but when he directed that, you know, he wouldn't want to ruin his good name that he from you know, directing Hot Dog and the Wraith. So he actually used a stage name. Okay. And guess well, what name he used? Jake Casey, Jake. the Charlie Sheen character in this movie, was his was his uh, stage name or his wow. whatever his fake ghost pseudonym? his ghost director. Yeah, there we go. 
So Jake Casey is not only a character from this movie, he's also it is also his porn name, so to speak. That's fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. And that oh says God. it all right there, I think. <clears throat> um Charlie Sheen we already mentioned. So this I don't know if this is the first time I saw Charlie Sheen. You Omar said it was. Uh I, I think it was. It, I don't remember. Oh, no, it was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the first time. What now that uh, I think about it. Just what did you think of the Charlie Sheen character? What did you think of the the lack of Charlie Sheenness in some ways? I thought it was weird that he showed up with like no shirt on riding a motorcycle. <laughs> and by the way, like, that shirt okay. was not affected by the wind at all. It was it was just It was super starched. <laughs> How are you on a motorcycle with an open shirt and it's not flapping in the in the wind? Like I don't get it. I I any maybe that's his wraithness. Probably. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Real quick. In the flashback, <clears throat> was that also Charlie Sheen? Because it didn't look like him. I don't know how long they had Charlie Sheen for this shoot. I. So, you're talking about like the crazy thing where it gets like all red and like where you see the the stabbing, and yes, the slicing, the, and the, yes, yeah. It didn't look. No one recognized him. I, I couldn't figure that out. Rob, you, you're you our Wraith expert. What do you have to say? Uh, I, I'm sorry. Say that again. So in the flashback. That's fair. In the flashback. It's like my relationships with women. <laughs> explain some things. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, in the flashback, was that actually Charlie Sheen? And why didn't anyone seem to recognize him? You mean in the in the the flashback where um where the getting, original like, character stabbed. is being knifed and being stabby stabbed? Yes. Uh, I don't think it was him. Okay, yeah, it it, it was hard to tell. It but... it looked similar, like same poofy hair situation, but it, I don't think it yeah. was him. And you only so, see him for like a second, so you don't it's hard to tell. So I think well Charlie Sheen was they, it was a very short shoot. It was like 28 days or something like that. Um Charlie Sheen only has 13 minutes of screen time that you see his face. Total. Whole movie. That is because he was on his way to the Philippines to shoot Platoon. Um, Mm -hmm. And he just kind of did like a pit stop, shot this movie, went to the Philippines, and Oliver Stone was not happy. I Um, couldn't have been there more than a few days. Not happy about what? Like, are you Not happy about he thought that this movie was going to totally help it's going to delegitimize charlie sheen as a serious actor as platoon comes out oh this coming from the guy who is like the conspiracy theory movie maker of all time Uh, back then though you know (laughs) that's true he wasn't yet yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah it was not charlie sheen christopher bradley played jamie hankins okay okay and i think that it's possible either they wanted to go with this whole like you can't recognize me because I I've re it's, he says at a certain point that he tried to reform himself the way he was before, but he this, was the best this is the do. best he could do. Yeah, which is funny because at this point, this girl who barely mourned someone that got stabbed like on top of her basically is now like sleeping with someone else and is like, Mm-mm. oh Mm-mm. wait, you were him all along. 
which in no. itself is kind of fucked up. She's not sleeping with someone. She is being held hostage. And that's one of the things that irritates the shit out of me about this movie. Is that she's completely complacent with being held hostage by this lunatic. Because she says in the movie that she's never slept with him. Correct. She says, we've never been together, blah, 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 blah. I don't love you, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, yeah, I don't care. I love you in your mind. No, I'm not talking about the bad guy. I'm talking about the Charlie Sheen character. Like, she has moved on to this character, and then she finds out that this char- the ghost character is actually her dead ex-boyfriend. And she's like, oh, okay. Right, <laughs> the, but... The, the, uh, emotions the in general also... in this movie are bad. Well, but but also, I don't think we know exactly how far along it was. It seems like it was a while ago that that her boyfriend was actually killed. So she's moved on, and she's being held hostage by this lunatic, and she's looking for anything to to distract her from her current situation, basically. So I, I don't know that we can hold that against her, being that we're, I'm not 100% certain as to what the timeline was for her boyfriend's death. Because I thought they hinted that it was a couple of years. That it was an unsolved yeah. murder, basically. They don't, uh, yeah, they never say the specific time, but it is, you are led to believe that it's been a while. Right. It wasn't like six months ago or whatever. <clears throat> it wasn't last week or anything. Correct, exactly. But was it, wasn't he in the process of having sex with her at the time? That seems like it'd be a little traumatic. What do you mean? Like in the, it looks like it's in the flashback. It looks like they were together when he got like stabbed. Oh, I think oh, that's yeah. alluded to. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's they were as well. They were but in fact think... together. But I mean, if it's been like two years, I mean, yeah, that that might that might uh, scar you. But also, being held hostage by a lunatic could scar you as well. So I mean, I'm not. And she she seems like okay with it she's just like yeah whatever i better not do that because you know he'll cause problems so yeah so you you've mentioned the lunatic several times uh nick cassavetes is the lunatic um, mm-hmm. his name is packard walsh another car. Packard, packard by the way being another old car yeah yep his he is an aficionado of the puka shell the puka shell necklace by the way i'm not sure if you noticed <laughs> that is. in every yes he is yeah i did scene. notice that. and the leather vest yes Oh, I yeah. too, I too, was a aficionado of the puka shell necklace, and it was absolutely Omar's fault. That's because I was also because <laughs> we because we bought them. I I don't know if I, you bought one that Fuck same time Omar. too, but I bought it in Key West. We, I think you. we bought them together. Yeah, oh, we bought them on that trip. Shell, puka shell necklace buddies. We, uh, we we held hands the entire time. It was in, in Key West. We bought puka shell necklaces. I also went with the um help the hemp ankle bracelet. I was, I was big on that as well. I had the ankle you bracelet, but it was the one with the with the beads, like with the colored oh, beads, because yeah, each yeah. color, like the, they meant something different, which of course they don't. But it was a, it was amazing that we surprised all of the bullying, or that we survived all of the bullying. We, I, I can honestly say that I never wore any of that shit. <laughs> you could have been the one that bullied us for it, but. You know. No, I, I, I was, I was uh, singled out for other reasons. Well. For me, that's the benefit of benefit of being like six foot two. People didn't really bully me, <laughs> but they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, funny. 
But either way, that's the first thing I noticed when he was on screen. I'm like, because my first thought was like, ooh, good necklace. I like that. And I'm like, wait, no, no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look back in pictures and when it, oh, damn, I had one. I did, I did like that. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he's like the gang leader. And there's a couple things I, I did notice. One, yeah, he's basically picked random girl that he likes and she has to do whatever he says, even though there's no real connection there. Right. right? Yeah. Basically. He loves her so much that he doesn't care what she thinks or feels. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she needs to be with him. Yeah. That, 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 that hit me like almost right away. Like just the stuff he was saying to her. He's like, no, you don't get it. I love you. And, um, you're mine. And I'm like, period. how did this even, mm. I, I spent the whole movie going, <laughs> why does she fucking put up with this shit? Why doesn't she just call the fucking cops? But that's the thing. Is I mean, at so one point crazy. he like kidnaps her. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Just just tell him, tell him no, call the police. And where are her parents? Does she live by herself? I don't think there's any parents in this entire movie. You never see There are no, no adults in this entire movie other than Randy Quaid. But here's the interesting thing. Speaking of Randy Quaid and the cops. For example, at the beginning of the movie, there's this couple that's driving in a car and they get waylaid by the bad guys and then they're forced to uh race for the for, you know, the pink slips of their cars. And forced being the keyword. Right. And they like threaten this you know, this couple, they threaten the girl like in ways that made me uncomfortable literally. You know, he's like if you don't do this, we're going to whatever with her and I was just like, what the fuck? This is insane. And then they race, and of course they lose. <clears throat> but if you're in this town, there's no way that you don't know who this, like the you know the bad guy, like the race car group. There's no way you don't know who they are. Like they show the population of the town at the beginning. It's like what, like six thousand or four thousand. It's some low ass right. number. And these mm-hmm. guys are driving around in these like ridiculously loud, souped up cars, racing people for pink slips and causing all this mayhem. Oh, and murdering someone. And like the cops don't know who they are, like you, like other people, just it, it was weird. It was like, and I, and I have to say that I that I laughed out loud when after that opening scene where they race the guy holding his girl hostage, they race the guy for his car, and they're like, oh, we got the pink slip, all nice and legal, and I'm like, yeah, no, it yeah. fucking wasn't. Yeah, nice and legal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that forcing someone to race for pink slips is not legal. I'm, Under the I'm threat sure. of violence and rape, that was yeah. legal. <laughs> oh my I'm god! I'm pretty sure you stole that car. <laughs> just yeah, you just turned it into a game. That's about it. Oh my god! Yeah, good times. The, the move. Mm. The I think the writer director of this movie is definitely. There's definitely a lot of things in there that they just don't know how certain things work. Like that, like the the police thing is even like. They're barely police. Like, yeah, they'll stop you if you're speeding, but it seems like they don't do much other police stuff. They're like, small town police. <laughs> they're like, like eh, they're just when, kids. <laughs> yeah, like when when Randy Quaid goes to like the explosion at the end, he's he's like just kind of walking around with his hands on his hips, like, yep, mm-hmm. just like I would do if I was trying to like fix a car engine. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. What what <laughs> about looking. that right there? As yeah. you're like just. Pointing with your like finger doing circles. Yeah. That right there. What about that? Oh, that's the flux capacitor, and that's we got to replace that. <laughs> oh. 
Well, it's like the first time the the first bad guy that gets killed by the wraith. He goes tumbling down the side of a cliff. Car flips like 19 times completely in flames. Mm -hmm. And the first cop that shows up goes, you'll think he made it. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing made it. The fucking desert landscape didn't even survive that. Like nothing made it. That guy (laughs) did not make it. And then when they show him later with the missing the eyes, he's not like a charred corpse. He's just like a pale body. Doesn't make sense. Scenes like that. The, do you think he made it thing? Always remind me of, I, I don't know if you guys ever saw it. Did you see Hudson Hawk? Hell yeah. There's there's a scene in Hudson Hawk where they're driving an ambulance and he falls out the back on a on a stretcher or whatever and is being towed behind the ambulance on this stretcher. And he, he breaks loose. The ambulance goes and hits like a barricade, flips over, does like, th- does like three rolls. And as he's rolling past, he goes, Caesar, Anthony. And then the the ambulance like explodes, and he goes, "Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> and and scenes like that always remind me of that scene as he's rolling past, giggling, "Are you okay?" <laughs> so yeah, but that's why that movie is considered one of the worst of the eighties, if not all time. Which one? Hudson Hawk. Oh boy! It's don't get such started. a good movie. I I don't dislike the movie. It's just it's one of those like big Raspberry Award winners. It, well, Hudson Hawk is one of those movies where you have to. We're, actually we're going to we, we, uh, we're going to cover Hudson Hawk at some point. I know this. Okay, fair Let enough. Us. Let's move on. <clears throat> yes. So, uh, one like another thing, you know, the when he's talking about a gun at one point, he says something like, "Be careful with that kidney buster." Have you ever heard that term used for a gun? No, no. Yeah, so I looked it up to see if, like, oh, maybe that's some sort of term. There is no reference to that being a gun at all, except for on Urban Dictionary. And apparently on Urban Dictionary, a kidney buster is the longest, meanest dick you can provide to your partner. <laughs> okay. Well, all right then. Well, which, I'm going to write that down. Which, I guess, I guess the <laughs> phrase, be careful with that kidney buster in the movie is a lot different now. <laughs> It's a lot different. Uh, it's a totally different. <laughs> I think that was something they made up, hoping it would catch on, and it didn't. Right, right. Maybe it's supposed to be some local colloquial slang, something or other, and they misfired, no no pun intended. Yep. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we were talking about the, the psycho. Nick, Nick was played by Nick Cassavetes. He's um, had a really good career afterwards. He actually directed The Notebook, the guy that played this. No actor. shit! Weird. Yep. <laughs> Uh, wow. As well as well as uh, she's so lovely, which was a like a adult romantic comedy, I guess in the late nineties, early two thousands. As well as my sister's keeper. Um, as well, he's been in a bunch of other stuff too. But he was the director of the Notebook. He's one. I think he's one of those that definitely picks and chooses his movies because he's mm-hmm. had a lot of pretty highbrow movies that have done well. But he doesn't direct all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint Howard, of course, in this as the, I guess the rughead mascot of the, the gang he's kinda. like the mechanic he's yeah the gearhead yeah he's the gearhead rughead uh, with his, a giant bouffant yeah. yeah his name is rughead and he's based <laughs> on what character with his bouffant like they base the look of him on what character Eraserhead. yep really yeah i did not know that stuck i thought eraser head came out in the early 90s uh I no, I think that was one of david lynch's way early ones um, we already talked about 
Randy Quaid. We don't talk about the lovely Sherilyn Fenn making her appearance the second time. Wait, what about the Randy Quaid qu- quickly? Who needs Raise that much head sugar? 77, by the way. Wow, really? Yeah. Who needs that much sugar in their coffee? Real quick. The I Quaid. wrote that down. Yeah. What the hell was that? There's an entire scene where he's pouring the sugar. And I feel like that was something that just he did as like a character quirk. Like, let, let me, let's do another take where I do more sugar. And like, it was pouring out in like a solid, like, stream for the entire scene. I was yeah. like, holy shit. <laughs> he was like the dude from Men in Black. Like the bug guy. He's like, sugar. Sugar water. Sugar water. <laughs> more sugar. Uh, Sherilyn Fenn making her appearance for the second time on the podcast. First time, of course, being Crime Zone a few months ago, I think. Omar, were you here when we did Crime Zone? No. We're not there yet. But I am a Sherilyn Fenn fan. As I said on that episode, that was the the first ever Playboy that I found, quote-unquote, in the woods, was a black-and-white pictorial of Sherilyn Sherilyn Fenn. Just uh, for research purposes, do you still have that? Probably not, no. And you would not. I, it would have been when I was like 13, you would not want it. Uh, contrary. Or it's would contrary. It's, I beg to differ, one, sir. It is one solid chunk. Like, like of course a, it is. Like those, you know, those placemats that are made, like printed on like cardboard or whatever. It's like one of the, it's like oh that. My God, it's, that's you so don't funny. want that. <laughs> you don't, you, no one, no one needs that. It is gone. It is gone. I threw it away and it shattered. Oh my god! <laughs> I was thirteen. Uh, so she is the, of course, the person that we were talking about is like uh, uh, held hostage, and it, like even to the point of where like she can't get a ride home from work without this dude like popping up and like like abusing her. Yeah, it's and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what makes him the bad guy. So I kind of get it. Uh, the car. What did you want to say about the car? The car has a very distinct look to it. And I think at the time, it looked like it was a a serious car. It was like, ooh, wow. this. And now it just kind of looks weird. It, I mean, am I the only one in that that thinks that it was just like, that's kind of an odd-looking vehicle. Would that really? It looks kind of uh, like two different cars sewed together. Yeah, at the time I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and then later on in life I thought it was, it's kind of like an Acura NSX. Like I thought that's what I thought without doing any research <clears throat> at all. That the NSX, like this, was like the the precursor to it, like the you know some like the prototype or whatever uh, of mm-hmm. of the NSX, because that's kind of what it looks like. Now we know, you know, it's a Dodge. It is in fact a Dodge. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't know that, you know, when I was younger. But I thought it was cool, and I think now for this for this movie, the car holds up, you know, just specifically in the context of this movie, it works because it's very well. It, it definitely looking. has that sci-fi look to it, right? And and we know that it's an '80s movie, and it very much stands out compared to the other cars that they are using, which are also badass, like the Corvette that the you the know Barracuda bad guy is using is, that thing is freaking awesome it's awesome like it would a fucking awesome car but like what the corvette yeah the yeah well the, both of them the, the corvette for me really both uh, you know they're mm-hmm. the, the cars that they use were really kick-ass cars like for real 
And this yeah. one is also an awesome car, but it stands out so much compared to everything else, you know. So I, I thought I think it's cool. I, I think it works. My my family is in at least the Pittsburgh portion of my family was all in the automobile industry and they owned Chrysler dealerships and Dodge dealerships back in the day. Um, and one of the things my dad used to get to do was go drive all of these test like cars. Um, cool. I don't think this was one of them, but like there were a lot of like pace cars and whatever, and like you know, you'd see these badass looking cars. And he would tell me like, oh well, it looks awesome, but they just have a regular engine in it. It doesn't. It's not really going as fast as you think. That kind of thing. Um, he got to do that. And I guess probably throughout the seventies, maybe late sixties. Um, pretty cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, so it was. In, it was interesting that this that this car was was used in there. I guess it was um, designed in nineteen eighty one, and I guess they just wanted a unique looking car. And I I think it's cool. It is a little bit awkward. Um, I would like one. Uh, I would like a matchbox car of one. I think would be kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I mean, I've gone around and bought up a couple of the uh, the matchbox cars or whatever for the iconic vehicles that I've come across when I was, you know, when I was younger. I mean, I've seen the the DeLorean, I've seen Knight Rider, I've seen the Ecto One. I've even bought some of the matchbox replicas of like the He-Man vehicles from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. What about the um, – we're going to go from cars to something uh, sexier, the sex scenes. What was up with the weird underwear in the sex scene? Did you catch that? I didn't I didn't even notice it, actually. Uh, I believe it was right before the stabbing. It's like the underwear was like a waistband and everything else was invisible mesh on whoever was the dude on top, whether it was Charlie Sheen or the other guy. It was very weird. Huh. It did not, it did not look comfortable. I was probably to keep his thing in check while he was rubbing on her naked crotch. Possibly. You should go back and watch because it's worth it. It's only (laughs) for a second, but if you want to see possibly Charlie Sheen's butt crack. That was not Charlie Sheen. That wasn't Charlie. Well, that that other guy's butt crack. Yeah, I'm convinced that he was really only only filmed, what, 13 or so minutes of this movie. I'm I'm convinced that every single time you see uh, the Wraith, like, as the Wraith with the helmet and stuff, it's not Charlie Sheen. Oh, I guarantee it's not. Oh, no, there's no had, way. No. Yeah, then they'd have had to pay him more. Yeah. They can just get right. some some uh, stunt stunt guy stand-in to do that part. Correct. Yeah. There's no need. And if, and if I know something about Mike Marvin, he likes a bargain. I don't know anything about Mike Marvin, other than <laughs> he directed softcore porn. That was wonderful. Um, never mind. <laughs> um... So we mentioned there was some revenge. So basically, this the, the whole story here. What it's basically a guy gets uh, stabbed by this gang or killed by this gang, comes back as a vengeful ghost and starts taking out all of the gang members one by one by one in death races, where he takes his cool car, races them, gets around a corner, sits across the road, and then cause, blows up their cars. Basically, right? Yeah. Uh, and there was some, like, so what did you think of those sequences? How, I mean, they were okay racing sequences. They weren't the best, but they weren't the worst. Well, no, I mean, they weren't good racing sequences because it, 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 it I really didn't get the sense that they were going at high rates of speed. It, it seemed like they were just kind of driving and they were doing quick cuts and everything to kind of simulate that they were driving fast. Um, and then, of course, at the you know, it's all kind of like playing with the with the 
the bad guys as he's racing them. Because at the end of the race, the Wraith just kind of speeds off. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, oh, you never had a chance. But the uh, the first time that the that the race ends is is like, oh shit! And that's that's the one with uh, was it Augie or was it the other guy? Was it Minty? Uh, Augie was the first one. Augie was the first one. Okay. Yeah, with the guy um, with the half shirt. Yeah, he had a half shirt Augie was the first one, reason. and <laughs> and the the wraith car speeds off. And he can no longer see it. And he's on a road that's got, like, twists and turns. And he comes around this one corner, and the Wraith car is just parked uh, parked on the road across both lanes so he can't go around it. And he just smacks into it at full speeds and explodes and goes down the mountainside in a fiery flame ball of death. And... Think he's alive? That's the one where the cop goes, yep. You think, he's, you think he, he made it? Is he okay? <laughs> um... But then the car, like, magically reforms, and one of the apparatus, one of the limb apparatus disappears. And I thought it was weird that they that they went with that limb apparatus thing for the first two kills and then kind of ignored it for the rest of them. I think yeah, there was I noticed one that other too. one where it, where it disappeared, but... It disappeared, you, from, it disappeared from the explosion at the, the garage barn thing. They show it, like, slowly fade away. There's, like, one just laying there, not on him, and just fades away. Wait, so... That's you said. That's a limb. I thought that was a part of the car. It's a brace. Like no, yeah, it's 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 one of it's one of his leg or arm braces because he's the the first time that they show it, it's actually when he's on top of the mountain and it's on its on his arm and it disappears. So it's one of the braces on his limbs. Yeah, he's got those weird metal things. I just thought it was like I always thought it was like weird car engine parts. Well, you would be forgiven for thinking that because in the scene where he walks into the garage and starts shooting shit up, right. he's got all of them on. So it's a continuity error in that instance. <laughs> Fair enough. I think it was an idea that was filmed but not fully fleshed out. Right. Because they, first of it, all, they kind of thought just... about it and then forgot it, basically. I think what, what happened, in my guess, um, is that, well, he, di- he dies... By being stabbed, and I, oh wait, they do they stick him in a trunk, don't they? At yes, they get rid of the that. body. Do they? Okay, and yeah, they do. They throw him in a trunk and like drive the car off a cliff or whatever. So, the assumption is that that he's because he's got the scars, but also that he had some impact or or uh, trauma to the rest of his body. But because they don't show it, there's no reason for it. But it ends up still in the movie. And, like, apparently the director even said, like, oh, well, it meant this. But he said it, like, many, many years later. And, you know, said it meant, you know, him, every time he got revenge, he became more whole kind of thing. But, like, none of that was shown. Oh. No, it wasn't. I mean, they could have even done something where the more he got revenge, the more he started looking like his former self, even, if you want, if they wanted to. Because it's, they could have just done a fade in from one character to another. I mean, I done it I really kind of feel like the the revenge aspect was secondary to his reestablishing a relationship with the girl. Yeah, the revenge was the main thing. Yes. Well, have you seen Sherilyn Finn? Well, yeah. I'm really mad at you, but she's over there in a red bikini, so <laughs> So, I'll be right back. <laughs> I would totally hang out with that like that little river though that would have been fun it was cool but i did think it was funny that the like 
they used that little river area as like the the kids hang out and all that. And they were basically just on rocks surrounded by cactus. Cacti, you know what I mean? And I was like, mm-hmm. man, they really did not pay a lot for these like for their whatever they're using for their locations because <clears throat> it, it it was literally just like I can imagine those rocks being like 100 degrees. <laughs> Like in the middle of the day, and those kids, you can't hang out there. There's no way you can hang out there all day. It's not possible, especially if you're the bad guy wearing a leather vest for reasons no one understands. Yeah. <clears throat> and but he, he still said, asked for a towel. Did you notice that? He's like, "Here, give me a towel." That's funny. And he's like, "Yeah, the big tough bad guy." Yet the one time when he's hanging out spying on Carrie outside of her house and sees her with with uh, uh, Charlie Sheen's character, he's like starts crying. If you notice, he's got, like, tears running down his face and his eyes. I didn't notice. Did he really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Like. No shit. My girl. I didn't they notice that. my girl. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got a heart of gold. Okay. He's just misunderstood. Understood. I got it. Well, and I would I would say that um, the, the, whole, the whole group is just fucking weird. And they really capped that off with, um, I want to say that it's like a... Uh, an 80s trope but i don't know that it is because i i don't remember the last time that i actually saw somebody who like did like all the drugs thinking it was cool but they weren't really doing drugs they were just doing shit that was going to kill them um the one character in the movie skank he like (laughs) he like snorts everything and he drinks like lighter fluid and hydraulic fluid and he snorts wd-40 I was like, what the fuck is this guy? And everything he tastes or snorts or whatever, he's like, oh, God, that's that's awful. Ah, ah. And I'm like, why do you fucking do it? And he what never is stops. your problem? Yeah, he just keeps going. <laughs> Such an idiot. Oh, my God. Those guys were so I'm dumb. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I think it was supposed to show how crazy and badass they are or whatever. I, I think it was just stupid. Well, this, this I don't think he direct- was crazy and badass. He was just dumb. He was. He was. No, the the director was definitely basing this movie on other movies, and some in the notes, some of you guys caught it, like the the breathing, like Darth Vader. Yes, he was a big Star Wars fan, right. so that was in there for a reason. The Eraserhead reference, uh, and there was a lot of Mad Max in this, and that happened in Mad Max. The like snorting, whatever car. Oh, oh that's stuff. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And drinking gasoline so, and shit. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that is why that's in there. Not a good idea. Don't recommend um, it. Well, uh, okay, Rob, get comfortable. Yeah, I, I think I know what we're gonna talk. I'm gonna go get a drink. The first <laughs> song, I believe, was Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> if I recall correctly. Yeah, the first song was Ozzy Osbourne. So the soundtrack of this for a little crappy movie was actually pretty good. Um, I'll. I was I'm a pretty big Ozzy Osbourne fan for the most part. I had never heard the song Secret Loser. Me neither. Have you? No. But I to be to be fair, <clears throat> I'm gonna say something controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh not to Rob, but um I'm a big Sabbath fan. Okay. But Ozzy solo, especially in the eighties, it's just corny. It's just not that good. It really isn't. Why don't you come up to Orlando and say that again? <laughs> I know I'm gonna be replaced. I get it. Even even with <laughs> even with Randy Rhodes. Look, even 
Okay, again, I understand what's happening. I understand what I'm walking into. Randy Rhodes is a great guitar player. I'm completely bored listening to him play guitar with all those like squeals and shit. And I know Zach Wilde does the same stuff. Um, it just doesn't do, it doesn't do anything for me. It, it just you, doesn't. You think you know somebody? It doesn't do anything for me. It really doesn't. Sabbath is is so like I get the Ozzy thing, like I like his '80s soul, you know, solo stuff. Well, even the '90s. I mean, No More Tears was a great record, but um, but it's just not. It doesn't. It's corny to me. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, that's they the also best word. they also in this movie managed to get Motley Crue smoking in the boys' room, which I was kind of surprised. And Robert Palmer addicted to love. Uh-huh. Like these are big hits around that time. Yep. I uh, movie a book I'm probably going to cover in, on one of our next episodes. Probably next episode is the uh, um, Nothing But a Good Time, which is like a history of '80s metal and stuff like that. And we look at it. We thought this was way more together than it really was. I mean, this these bands blew up so fast that some of them licensed their music for nothing and then became huge like the next week. And it was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Smoking in the Boys Room, they they had had a big album, but, you know, it's it's amazing how fast some of this stuff took off. So that's probably how some of that happened. Uh, did you catch, do you know who Stan Bush is? Rob, if you are still there and not uh, comatose, do you know who Stan Bush is? I don't know who Stan Bush is. Uh, he did the song The Touch. From the Transformers. For the Transformers movie. Yep. I love that song. Yeah. So he, like, those really emotional, like, almost metal, but more rock. But super 80s sounding. Yeah, super 80s, like, the ones that, like, when South South Park always makes references to him, like, you've got the touch! You know, like that (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) That usually set to, you know, some sort of sports movie or something like that. That's, that was, Stan Bush did most of this. Uh, some sort of band named Lion, which was not White Lion. And uh, they even managed to get Billy Idol, Rebel Yell, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a really good soundtrack. It's a pretty good soundtrack, especially yeah. for that for that time. There was a couple of those people that you've never heard of, like doing their original whatever music for that. But there was, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, you know, Ozzy and, and Motley Crue and stuff like that, which at the time, like... Those big soundtracks with all those huge names, they don't really become that big of a that much of a thing until later on, like the nineties. I think probably the biggest one is obviously for Pulp Fiction, but that's the one that like I think that's in the, the thing bodyguard, put, huh? In the bodyguard, yeah. But like those are the first ones that like put soundtracks on the map in mm-hmm. a big way. If you yeah. listen to the music in eighties movies, even in early nineties movies. There's not like huge hits on there necessarily. There's a lot of it is like there's some there's some exceptions, but a lot of it is like you know some studio people or whomever that like are making music for that movie, but it's nothing. But it's super topical sounding, like it just sounds like it comes from that year. It doesn't really hold up necessarily, especially those '80s ones. Um, mm-hmm. But this this movie had stuff that probably unbeknownst to them at the time, you know, like Ozzy, even though the song isn't really that known. And, and like you said, uh, and that Robert Palmer song is now played on, on, uh, um, all the, the, the 
the 80s the satellite 80s, radio channels. The, yeah, those the radio stations now like the like when we were kids, the the radio stations that were playing classic rock which was like the Beatles and Zeppelin, now they're playing classic rock and it's Robert Palmer and Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, in Soundgarden. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm ho- hoping Rob comes back at some point. Uh, well, oh, I'm here. I'm he just actually eating was. a snack. Oh, there you oh, okay. I'm muted. There he uh, is. Okay. Um, I, now we are moving away from music. I did want to talk about the little brother. Who, his big brother reappears. He's the, of course, working at the, the little food stand in town. Big brother reappears and doesn't really bother to do to say anything to him. Other, than He rescues him once. Doesn't really say anything to him until like the end of the movie. Right. Uh, which is a kind of a dick move, I think. Like, well, no you know, he's you only there for time. the girl. I get that, but you you'd want to see your family, right? I mean, I don't have a sibling, but I'm I, I'm sure you you would go visit your brother if you were murdered by a gang of car racing people and came back as a ghost in a weird car. Would you well, not visit your family? I but he does though, probably. He he Eventually. does. He 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 has a conversation with him. They kind of sit together on the the river. So I mean, he he does actually interact with his brother far more than he interacts with anybody else other than the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he saves his brother from from the beating getting even more severe. Um, yeah. you remember the beating yeah. that he got by Packard outside the outside the the burger joint or whatever yeah. that he yeah, was working he was at when drive he was the girl home. Right, I love when the brother looks up at like all the people standing around, like "What the hell, dudes?" <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, he does. The and then, and then the car shows up, and they all go to race him. Yeah. And of course, you know, they kind of try to smooth that over by him. It looks like he gives the car to his little brother, which is nice in theory, but that car has been implicated in multiple murders at this point, <laughs> and it's not like. That car can look like any. It's not like. Well, maybe it was the other super super futuristic car driving around this weird ass town in Arizona. And he says that it does a lot of special things. And it's a things. ghost car. It's like, well, how does that work? But he says it yeah, does right? special things, and the instructions are in the glove box. <laughs> he says, "Yeah." He says the instructions are the ghost in the uh, in the glove compartment. It does a lot. It's got of- something called Bluetooth. In about twenty years, <laughs> that's going to be useful. <laughs> By the way, invest in Apple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, if I ever get visited by a ghost, that's what I want to know. I don't care who killed you. Tell me what. To, <laughs> tell me where to put my money. What were the numbers for this week? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> this car has power windows. You don't have to use the little handle thing. What? My dad, Ooh. when I was about the time that this movie came out, my father had a 63, a 1963 T-Bird convertible Ooh. and uh and he was, never did he never wear a shirt with sleeves it was <laughs> well it was my grandfather's and my grandfather had left it in his garage for so long that it would like the tires i remember seeing it it was like the tires were deflated it didn't really run and then my father took it and like fixed it up and we we drove we kept it for a little while and i remember driving around everything in that car this is this was a 63 literally everything in that car was electric it was a convertible oh, wow and all you had to do was flip a switch, and the top went up and down. The windows went up and down. It, it, it everything was electric. I didn't, I didn't know that that was available as far back as the early '60s. I, I, I had no idea that car was badass. That's crazy. Yeah, it was cool. So let's let's get to the end of this movie. I like that. Uh, 
the the final race, the final revenge. Uh, Rob, go ahead, take it. <clears throat> well, he he faces off against Packard, and it it goes just like all the others. It, honestly, slightly anti. Well, wait, was this the one where he busted through the police blockade? At a certain point, he does bust through the police blockade. I think I think it actually was the one with Packard. Because they were chasing both of them. And they they set up this blockade. And they've got two cars parked on... on it, it's a two-lane road, so they've got two police cars parked there. And I swear to God, this thing just blows through the, the police barricade. And shears off the front two ends. Like somebody had just taken like a laser torch. And just went... Yeah. And like cut off the front ends of the car. And the cops are all like, follow him! And I'd be like, fuck that! <laughs> Are you insane? Did you see what he just did to our cars? <laughs> yeah, right. But he, I mean, it, it ends the same way that all the other ones ended with, with uh, him stopping in the middle of the road and Packard. No, actually, they play a game of chicken and nobody pulls off. And it's a head-on collision. Packard yes. dies. The Wraith car reforms and drives off. Mm-hmm. The, uh, man, that Corvette. Whew. It was awesome. Uh, that hurt your heart, didn't it? It did, except that it was, I mean, a lot of it was fake. The blowers weren't working on the front, like, the one car that had the blowers. I think it was that one. Like, they weren't working. If you Oh, looked, that, no, like, that was, was a, going. um, that wasn't that the, the Barracuda. Vet. No, that was something else. That was, like, a Plymouth or something. Gotcha. It, the, uh, the blowers. It was yellow, I think. Yeah, no, that the, the Corvette didn't have blowers. Yep, and then, uh. Jake slash Jamie gives up his car and picks up uh, Carrie on a like motorcycle dirt bike thing. Um, and there's this this the conversation like oh, he's like she's like Jake, we talked about this earlier. Well, actually, I'm Jamie, right? Like she like figures it out. Um, it's kind of it's just weird. It's a weird conversation. Like, yeah, I, I knew all along you were my dead boyfriend. I just didn't bring it up, or I figured it out eventually kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So that part's a little bit weird. Um, Let's see. My pages have turned. I was like, wait a second, what do you mean they're smooching in a graveyard? No, that's not, that's earlier. In the Is that movie. a euphemism? Uh, yes, smooching in the graveyard. Uh, smoking in the boys' room slash smoking, smooching in a graveyard. I was going to say, uh, it sounds like a song. Yeah. Um, where are they going when they hop on the motorcycle and drive away? They're into they're the sunset. Starting their new lives. Yeah. Into the moonrise. So is he not dead anymore? I don't. I don't know. I that was never really clear. That's a good point. Actually. Maybe by getting revenge and killing everybody, he got like eight bodies to take the place of his one, and he was allowed to come back to Earth. There you go. She, yeah, it's zero percent explained. All we know is that this is a ghost that's killing people, and now he's driving off with some chick. And he says, "Don't pack much." So does that mean that like he's going to yeah. kill her? They're yeah, going, that's what he's going to. He's like they're going to heaven. Yeah. Look, you're in a shitty town anyway. What what else are you going to do? <laughs> you're. you're you're probably going to die here anyway. Why don't we just cut the middle man? And you can be with me forever in heaven. 
There's really sweet, crazy-looking cars up there. And occasionally you get to come down to Earth and kill people. Like, it's fun. That sounds like a good time. I think the... Isn't it basically all of Norse mythology? <laughs> That's pretty much. Uh, so that... Uh, there is a little thing at the end of the movie about someone named Bruce Ingram that is the a cameraman that was killed while making this movie. He was on a camera rig on a car that uh, was overloaded, apparently, and flipped over, killing him. So this movie is dedicated to him. Uh, sad, sad situation. You hear about these periodically. Um, and it, it, this one was kind of a weird one because there's not a lot of information on it. Usually when that when someone dies during the filming of a movie, you kind of hear a lot about lawsuits and mm-hmm. more so than like that. So I, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find much about it, but it was dedicated to him. I'm not entirely sure what I would feel like if some, a movie called the Wraith was my last job and the reason for my death. But you know, still that is something that pops up at the end. Uh, so what else do we got? Anything else you wanted to? You guys wanted to cover? I think we've pretty well covered most of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, box office. Did you figure that out? It the budget was uh the budget was an estimated two point seven million dollars, and it grossed three point five. That is low numbers. Yes, but it is increased money. The uh, $2.7 million all went to semi-invisible underwear for the lead. <laughs> and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, and and the residuals, oddly enough, went to semi-invisible underwear for Charlie Sheen to purchase now. Yes. Yeah. So that's, a, that's, an, that's an interesting, weird fact about the Wraith. <laughs> um, the weird thing is, is that it made 3.5. But it made 1.4 on its opening weekend alone, which means I guess it just wasn't received very well. Because opening weekend, it made 1.4 million, and then for the rest of the run, it only made 3.5. So it only doubled the money. Hmm. A little bit of history, uh, two little bits. Which and this, I I got to go back and read more on because I didn't know that this was ever a thing. Um, it was revealed on this day that this movie came out that Israel, with United States approval, gave Iran. 2008 tow anti-tank missiles and uh, anti-aircraft missiles, which I had no idea that that Israel ever armed Iran, I guess, during the Iran-Iraq war. But basically, since that point, it seems like every time you see anything about Iran, they're saying death to Israel. Um, So I thought that was – I did not know about that portion of history. Uh, Say that again. Iran gave Israel – So it it was revealed that Israel was arming Iran for the Iran-Iraq war. That's interesting because Israel was helping America arm the Mujahideen in Afghanistan around the same mm-hmm. time. And um, Israel, we, we were able to, this is back in 1780, 81 maybe, we were able to broker a deal with Israel and Egypt, and the same Egypt that had attacked Israel in 73. Um, and we were able to get them to sort of work together to... Uh, furnish arms to the like I said the mujahideen but like the the they, they even they even came up with a thing where like the the boxes the the crates that were loaded with weapons were like stamped as american or something else I don't even remember what so maybe 
I've not, I've not heard this. Maybe that has to do with the uh, Iran thing as well. Yeah. It must have been brokered by us like as proxies or something like that. Because mm-hmm. we got involved I mean, in the Iran-Iraq thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway. Uh, the other big, the other news was in Chile, they actually were able to get a World Bank loan. Now, this is kind of a big deal because this is right after, not immediately, but a few years after Pinochet took over. Um, and America was did not want Chile to get a loan as because around this time Pinochet was basically using soccer stadiums as uh, as assassination hubs or uh, execution, execution hubs. Yeah, and my 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 wife's best friend's husband actually had to escape that. So interesting. I've heard I've heard some interesting stories about uh, about what Chile was like back then. Um, so those were the two big news stories of on this day that that uh, hmm. America was trying to get the World Bank to not fund the crazy right-wing dictator. That's interesting cuz the this is 86, right? Yeah. So um on the uh, an, an album we've talked about like, or mentioned not too long ago on um uh the Joshua Tree, the U2 album. Okay. The last song on that record is called Mothers of the Disappeared and that song is about a group called the Mothers of the Disappeared who were activists they were anti Pinochet activists who were like went out to the streets and the disappeared was the name of all the the people that Pinochet had like um secretly arrested and put into uh you know whatever prison like they basically never came back you know uh, these were the yeah. same kids or people the males that were killed in in the soccer stadiums and stuff that Pinochet was using gotcha yeah there's some crazy pictures online um of that kind of stuff speaking of music would you like to know what the top 10 songs when this movie came out were? Please. I would. At number 10, we've got Love Will Conquer All from Lionel Richie. At number 9, we've got The Way Strong. It Is by Bruce Hornsby and The Range. Nice. At number 8, we've got a song that I remember from Back to the Future, and that's Hip to Be Square. <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News. Yep. Uh, seven, The Next Time I Fall, with Peter Cetera and Amy Grant. Oh, number six, Word Up, from Cameo. <laughs> All little ladies around the world got a word up. Okay. <laughs> At number five, we've got another classic from Eddie Money. Take me home tonight. I don't want to let you go to see the light. That's so good. <laughs> At number four, we've got another classic on its way up the charts, actually, from Bon Jovi. Any guesses? Wait, this is 86, so that would be... Um... Oh, come on. I know the song. It's um, it's off of 7800 Fahrenheit. Um, no, no, eighty six. Got to be living on a prayer, living on a prayer, or uh, it is. No, that's eighty seven, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Yeah. Eighty seven was bad medicine, probably. No, my bad medicine was nine eighty nine, maybe ninety. Huh? All right. So what is what is it, Rob? You give love a bad name. Damn it! I was off by one album. Ah, oh. at number that's four. A great song. At number three, we've got Madonna with True Blue. At number two, we've got Boston with Amanda. And the number one song 
in nineteen in this week in nineteen eighty six was from the Human League. Don't you want me? Yes. Nope. No? no. Nope. What is it? Human. You're only human. I don't even know that song. Blood. Yeah, you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. It's like a slower song. Damn you, 86. Damn you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a couple of decent titles in the top 10 for movies that were out this week. At number 10, we've got Stand By Me in its 16th week. At number 9, we've got The Wraith. This movie opened at number 9. At number 8, we've got Peggy Sue Got Married. At number 7, we've got Soul Man. Number 6, we've got The Color of Money. And the next four titles, five through two, were all in their first week. Number five was Firewalker. Number four was the re-release of Song of the South. Number three, its first week, Bible. Ooh, an American tale. American tale. <laughs> that would have been an interesting double showing. The American Tale and then... And The Wraith. The Wraith. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number two is a movie that we talked about not too long ago, actually. Not talked about, talked about, but we mentioned it. Star Trek with the Whales. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Number two was Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. The number one movie this week in its ninth week in release. Any guesses? Ninth week? It's number it one. It is number Ninth one week. after its ninth week in release. 86? Holden uh, Strong. I don't know. No clue. Little movie uh, stars uh, a certain actor and Linda Kozlowski, if you remember her. Linda Kozlowski. You're killing me here, Smalls. <laughs> she was the female lead. The main lead was Paul Hogan. Oh shit. Oh my god. Crocodile Dundee. There you go. Wow. I didn't Crocodile realize Crocodile Dundee was in... in its ninth week in release was at number one. Crocodile. That's one of the biggest money making movies of that year. It might have been the biggest money making movie of that year. <laughs> That's not And yet nice. I never saw it. Still haven't. <laughs> You've never seen it? Nope. In it, I, I will say that in its ninth week in release, it made nine, almost $9.5 million, whereas Star Trek The Voyage Home in its first week of release only made eight point five. So it outgrossed a brand new movie by a million, almost a million dollars. And a, a movie that's in a big-name franchise as well. Correct. Wow. <laughs> Fucking Paul Hogan. <laughs> okay well let, let's let's get uh, done here we've got the give me five podcast we do top five questions rob you came up with the top five question this week i did this one was a little difficult because what i was going for i felt was a little bit hard to research so i opened it up just a little bit the top five question this week is what are your top five magical slash supernatural vehicles 
I was going for ghostly modes of transport because the wraith coming down to earth, driving the car, you know, it was a it was a it was a ghost car basically. But that that got a little bit difficult to look up as there are so many things that are now called ghost or wraith or supernatural. If you look up supernatural, all you get is the TV show. I swear to God, mm. um, it, it just got really hard to look up. So I opened it up to magical slash supernatural vehicles. I did eliminate magical animals because everyone would like to ride a dragon you know um okay khaleesi no that one's not gonna fly so no no animals we're just going some with of us actual... would like to ride khaleesi well check yeah. please yes indeed <laughs> <laughs> so what are in fact your top five magical slash supernatural vehicles okay so i might have screwed this up but i don't care I'm going to start off with an honorable mention. This honorable honorable mention uh, is there for my wife. That is going to be the pumpkin carriage from Cinderella. Also, it is attached to an animal, which actually makes it move. So it's basically not a moving object until you attach it to said animal. It is a vehicle, though, and I will allow it. That does count. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, number five, I'm going to go with Ghost Ship, the ghostly ship from the movie Ghost Ship. Good one. Yes. Excellent. Which uh, it, that has a freaky opening sequence. Uh, I'm going to go with Christine as my number four. That's more of a cursed car, but mm-hmm. and I don't think you see anyone in it. But there's a lot of people on it, like squished. So I'm going with that. It's number four. Dragula, both the Rob Zombie song and the vehicle of it. Was that the Adams Family or the Monsters? I think it was the Monsters. Um, going to go with Dragula. Completely forgot uh, about that. The Event Horizon is my number two. Damn you. So good. That's my number two. The good old Event Horizon. The It is also, didn't start off supernatural, but it sure as hell ended up supernatural. But my number one, just for sheer badassness, the Ghost Rider bike. The cursed mm-hmm. Ghost Rider f- flaming tires bike, which uh, was always one of my favorite designs in comics. That's my number one. Okay, that's really good. And listening to your list, I realized I fucked up mine significantly. How about <laughs> do you do you do you want me to go, Rob, or you want to go? What do you want? What do you want to do? No, go ahead. Do we have any any uh, voicemails? Well, we do have a late list from Matt, also known as Jubles, in the patron only chat. He has started off with an honorable mention, and that is Santa's sleigh. Nice. Didn't even think of that one. Number five for him, he agreed with me, the pumpkin carriage from Cinderella, the Nimbus 2000 from Harry Potter, number three, the death bike, which is also Ghost Rider's bike, the flaming wheel motorcycle that I, of course, loved. Number two, the invisible jet. Now, I don't, well, I guess that is actually not technology i believe that is given to her by the gods so that works and number one the flying dutchman from the pirates of the caribbean excellent and um really my biggest one is number one that's my that's overall my number one but so these other ones are not necessarily in any particular order i'm just kind of reading them how I have them on my paper. So number five, the Chevy 
from Jeepers Creepers. That like dead thing is driving this like crazy ass Chevy, and I always felt like it was this like because it wasn't like a normal car, so I always like thought of it as this possessed thing. Um, mm-hmm. Number four, the Plymouth from Christine. Number three, every single vehicle in maximum overdrive. Okay. Uh, number two, the Plymouth Fury in Death Proof. Remember the Quentin Tarantino flick? And number one, I want you to get your in your mental way back machine and go back to Ghostbusters 2. There's a scene where Sigourney Weaver has her little baby. I believe his name was Oscar. And he sort of escapes his crib and is like crawling around on the outside of this building. And he comes back in this ghostly baby carriage. So that's my number one, is the ghostly baby carriage from <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. I will never forget that scene. I don't know. I will accept that. Okay, thank you. Because, I mean, he's literally in a ghostly baby carriage. And it's being pushed by uh, her... Like, she's doing this, like, she's doing this, like, art restoration thing and the guy the the weird dude that like runs the place has been possessed by the main ba- by Vigo the Carpathian <laughs> and so um I thought that was the best I love that so thank you for allowing that <clears throat> all right well I'll go ahead and give you my five my number five is from a movie that we've talked about in the past and I, this, the scene that this was in is actually one of the very memorable scenes from the movie. Because it was 10 years ago on a night just like tonight. <laughs> yes, sir. That's good. Large, the, the truck that Large Marge drives and picks Pee Wee up in. At at number four, I will go ahead and put the car from this movie, the Wraith car. Very easily to, to pick up and single out. At number three, I will put Event Horizon. Haunted Ship, excellent. At number two, I'll put the Black Pearl. Oh, yeah. Oh, good one. But number one, just for sheer badassness, I have to agree with Greg, is Ghost Rider's motorcycle. Nice. Well done. I know that I've seen like a ghost train situation where like someone like a movie where someone gets scared that this train is and, coming and they like duck down and the train goes by him and it's like all ghosts, but I or it's like ghostly, but I don't remember what it is. That's also it's, a it's a movie too. like in a in a on a farmhouse or something or in a farmhouse. Um, is it? And it like roars through the living room. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can picture the scene. And, yeah, and I tried to look up Ghost Train, one... and that didn't pop up. That actually just gave me pornography of ghosts running a train on somebody. That didn't oh, wow. happen either. No, it did not um, happen. Yeah, the, this was really hard to like. If, if you couldn't remember the stuff from memory, it was really hard to find it anywhere because it, I don't know that there's anything listed for, you know, like ghostly vehicles. And that's essentially what I was going for, you know, cuz the wraith coming back in the car, I was going for like ghost vehicles and I know there's a ton of them. 
but I can't remember a lot of them because they're just yeah. like 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 parts. They're just like it's not like they're a focus of the movie. I mean, if they are a focus of the movie, it's very easy to pick out. But it's not like it, it's just like a passing scene in a movie. So unless you can remember them, it was very hard, which was why I had to open it up to magical vehicles as well. So that would include things like the Hogwarts Express, the Ford Anglia that the Weasleys had, you know, all of that. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a scene in Ghostbusters, so, too, where they're down in the subways and a ghost, a ghost train goes by. Uh, maybe that was it. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Anyway, about. we, we got to close out here. Uh, Let's close it out. Closing. Yes. Guys, you can contact us if you have any ghost vehicles that you have that we have forgotten. You can contact us at Gimme Five Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at Gimme Five Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast. And you know, learn about cheesy eighties and nineties movies and music and other reviews while you're at it. Um, and of course give us a review and I already said subscribe, so yeah, do all that stuff. And thank you for listening. And that's all I have to say. And guys, remember, we want you to give us five. To attack.